to get like a an, a transcript of one of our podcasts, like one of those smart AI things is just trying to figure out what we're saying. Oh, dude. And then have Siri just read that as a podcast. We just need to upload it or maybe even just, just the audio to YouTube and have those like auto captions happen. Yes. And then have that read. Oh, that would be so good. And then just have Siri read it. Oh, and then do it so a couple good. times back and forth and see how it goes. <laughs> just like record Siri reading it. Upload it again. It's like the Google Translate button. <laughs> you just copy and paste whatever Google Translates back over forth. back yep. and forth to get something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like Shakespeare. You're like, <laughs> what? That's well, basically what happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are back. Back in the same week. This is back, a double header. Back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle again. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in the saddle again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it has. It's surprising that on Tuesday I did not realize how long of a week it was going to be. But here we are on Friday. Feels like I've had two whole other weeks between now and Tuesday. I'm with you. At least from energy level. But yeah, this, this is pretty crazy. I've seen this third time I've seen you this week. I know. It's so much. It's mm-hmm. too much, Greg. Okay. <laughs> it's twice <laughs> for you, Sean. Get out. Get out. You already set everything up. Just leave it. <sighs> I'm hurt. Yeah. Oh, he's hurt, Joe. He's hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I discovered something about myself this week. You know, when I'm listening to other people talk, I'm not usually looking in a mirror as one does, right? But when I'm on a Zoom conference call, you have to have your video on. So it has just like your little video in the corner, like Skype. Yeah. And I think I've realized I have incredible resting bitch face. Just <laughs> the worst. It's just the worst. I just sit there and I look like I'm scowling at all times. When I wear my glasses, the light of the laptop reflects off of them. So you can't see my eyes for any hint of emotion or empathy. <laughs> it's just a constant scowl as I'm... I'm just multitasking. That's really what's happening. You're I'm just, just kind of focusing yeah, and thinking. Yeah, you're thinking real hard. Yeah, and it doesn't help that when somebody says some like random garbage on the call, I'll, I'll kind of tune in and then all my eyes will open up and it'll look like I'm reacting to them when in reality, <laughs> I'm just tuning back in. So somebody will be like, whoa, what? Did I say something? And like, no, no, no. I just... um. And then, like, what am I supposed to say? I wasn't listening to you until now. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> so... I just think that you you piqued my interest in the conversation. Yeah, it was. Uh, I found what you said very informative. Would you mind repeating it for me? <laughs> <laughs> I missed it on my notes. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh uh, yeah, it's the things you find out about yourself. Yeah. When you're yeah. See, attention. the rest of us hasn't have known this for the longest time. You just finally found it out for yourself. Nobody said anything. Bethany just roasted me on Twitter for it. She's like, "Really? Now? Really? Just like?" Today? You should take Ouch. it as a compliment. You know, we all think that you're more self-aware than you actually are. No, I just think that you guys all thought <laughs> I, I was genuinely pissed off all the time. <laughs> Nobody told me. That's why we're always asking, Ralph, are, are you okay? Are you hate us all? You've just learned to not ask that question anymore. Yeah. And just like, eh, well, maybe he just does. I, I, do, I still remember the time very vividly where I was like, hey, Ralph, how you doing? Like, give you a little, like... You know, just like, like light, friendly punch on the shoulder, and you came back and like whack me in the chest, and I'm like falling over. Um, yeah, that was that was a great time back in high school. That was a little more active than resting, I yeah. would say. Yeah, that was like a resting. 
<laughs> assaulting. Assaulting. <laughs> assaulting. Yeah, well. Hmm. You know, sometimes I have heavy reactions. I was I was talking with uh, some friends and saying that I'm a very energetic and overdramatic person. So that, and that's just like most of the time with very like shallow feelings. I like to be overdramatic. But when I'm very deeply feeling something, I swing hard the other way. And I think it's a learned behavior because nobody would take me seriously when I was being, when I was trying to have a serious emotion about something because I was dramatic at all times. So it was really hard to tell the difference. So now I've just learned that if I'm being serious about something, I need to calm it down. I need to be more chill because if I'm being super chill about something, then everybody's like, oh shit, like he's serious. He didn't even laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. <clears throat> Well, it has only been three days. Has anything exciting happened to us? Oh, by the way, I'm Ralph. This is the Just Vibin' podcast. You know, I circled it huge. It says intros, mm-hmm. uh, and I still forgot. Yeah. Hey, you only made it I one sentence forgot. this time. At least yeah, we like an- acknowledge that we were starting. That right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The that's, last one was kind of a hard... It was hard to find a starting Yeah, spot. Greg, you're just like, uh, here's an arbitrary sentence that we could <laughs> yeah. begin on. Yeah. I'm just like... uh. Nice little fade on some laughter. That's what I'll. Uh, that's what I'll work on. Wait, 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 wait. Here I we don't... go. We're gonna give you one right now, Greg. Everyone, three, two, one. Ha 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 ha. Oh gosh, that was terrifying. <laughs> I don't want to freak you out, Greg. That's every single time I have to big timestamps. I know. <laughs> this last one, Greg was very nice. He did all the timestamps himself, but normally I pick them, and every single time. Yeah. <laughs> even coming out of songs, we're not even good about creating space coming out of songs. Oh, like, there was one I just had to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just like, you know what? All these words arbitrary, unimportant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, literally, it's just like. And if we start here, we're kind of at the beginning of a point. When I put milliseconds in the timestamp, that's when you know that it was very (laughs) difficult to find a spot. (laughs) Just so you know, everyone, we go through a lot of of blood, sweat, and tears to make sure that you don't hear how terrible of speakers we are. (laughs) Yeah. uh, If you you think we're bad. Yeah. Just imagine twenty times worse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You could yeah, you could think we're horrible right now, but just so you know, could be worse. Could be much worse. Yeah. Um well not a whole lot has happened other than work this week. So um real quick, uh you were talked about how you circled doing intros, almost did intros. Let's and then I didn't intros. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, you know what? We're we're doing it. We're doing it right now. Hi, my name's Ralph. Uh, I'm, I'm the host of the Just Vibin' podcast over to my right and much smarter than me is Greg. Greg, how are you doing today? I- I'm doing good. That's not true, but I'm doing uh, good. Good. I'm glad smarter than me, Greg, is doing better. <laughs> to Greg's right is Sean, literal scum of the earth. Hi, scum of the earth. How are you <laughs> doing, Sean? What's going on? This is why I'm to Greg's right, not across from Ralph. Might as well not even be in the same room as Ralph. Yeah, pretty much. Might Sean as well is jumping room. out the window. <laughs> Yeah, the window's behind me. I'm heading out. Yeah, we're on a, we're on the second story, by the way. Yeah, I won't feel like it once you get to the bottom. Mostly because My- you won't feel your legs anymore. But mm, that was dark. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. You know what? I've been watching too much Game of Thrones. It makes all of my humor violent in a way that I didn't expect. It it's weird when uh, you like get deep into a TV show and all of a sudden it, you realize it's like affecting your emotions. 
Cool, like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's in a good way. Yeah, that's but a like good way. But you get too deep into BoJack and you suddenly no. just start thinking about like, man, am I just a horrible person? Yeah. And then you're like, wait, I didn't do any of those things. That was a stupid <laughs> character I watched on a yeah. TV show. It's, it's because they've managed somehow to find ways to make BoJack relatable. And so, but it's by extension, you have to ask yourself like, well, I, I understand that feeling. Am I as bad as BoJack? Everything that they start with is like something that you feel all the time. And then he takes it to an extreme and goes over a line. And you're like, oh, is that the is that the uh, natural progression of that emotion? Yeah. Could, could I see myself <laughs> doing that? No, 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 no. And the no worst way. thing is like you start talking about BoJack and then you realize how meta it is. Because literally, as you're saying, you can like always find something to relate to BoJack. Literally, that's like in the last two episodes of the season where she's angry because you can still relate to the terrible person that they've created on the TV show. That's on a TV show. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's kind of like a great show, but it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like talking about how you do the podcast on the podcast. Uh, Whoa. I want to point out something that I also have written down here. Uh, We managed to get through the entirety of the last show without a pun. And I'm so proud of us. I tried at the end. It wasn't good. <laughs> I want to point that out. I forget what it was, and I was trying to get a rise, but it wasn't really a pun because I yeah, realized I didn't even it, hear it in on the, the second listen. I realized it in the last like fifteen minutes, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, I got to find something." And then the opportunity never presented itself, and I tried. I, I tried once, and it didn't land. I, I have pun defense written on my paper, mm. so I'm glad that we managed to get through. <laughs> to be fair, I also sacrificed my ASMR reference. I mm. sacrificed that because uh, I knew that. See, there it is. There it is. Oh gosh, I had to sacrifice it so that we could get through a podcast without a pun. I knew because I knew that one would come with the other. They come hand in hand. You know, can't have one without the other. <sighs> All right. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I yeah. That's good. Our theme this week is uh, best album to drive. Sorry. No, no. Best album to listen to on the way to the beach. He was reading last last week's. Or, uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, nice. yep. <laughs> uh, best album to listen to on the way to the beach. Yes. Ayo. Yeah. We're all Californians. At least Holla. to some extent. And it's showing real hard. Real last two weeks. hard. Last couple of weeks. We picked desert and beach. <laughs> None of those are anywhere near where we currently live. <laughs> it's real sad. Yeah. Depressing, in fact. Yeah. More depressing than Bojack. Yeah. Pour one out for Bojack. Anyway. Well, speaking of that, one of the things that uh, is important about an album that you want to listen to on the way to the beach is that it needs to be upbeat. It needs to be exciting. Yeah, because like when you go to the beach, it's always it's always an exciting time, you know. Most of the time, you're not going to the beach to have a moody time. Yeah, like we a... don't live in Ireland. We're not <laughs> going to the Irish beaches that are just cliffs with water slamming up against rocks at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, we we could. There there are cold beaches in California. That was one of the things that's, that that's the part of California that's basically Oregon. We don't talk about no, that no, part. no, no. I mean, like Pismo. Okay, yeah, but or Montana drive... de Oro is one of my favorite beaches, and there's lots of cliffs there. Okay, but for Pismo, you drive literally a mile in either direction, and now it's no longer depressing. Uh, yeah, kind of. Besides that, it's like overcast and cold, and you jump well, in the Avalor water. Avalor Beach and it's is like freezing. right down the corner, and yeah, it's a that's great beach. also freezing. Yeah, but it's a great beach. It's sunny. It's not as overcast. So my first experience of a California beach, we get 
I moved to Wait, California. To the next Pismo? week, we go to Montana de Oro. It's 100 degrees in Bakersfield. It's in yeah. July. It's so hot. We're going to go to the beach. I'm like, yes, we're going to go to the ocean. This is so cool. We're so close. We get there. Michigan boy, by the way. It's raining <laughs> the entire weekend. We stay in tents and it's misty. We don't even get in the water. You don't get in the water. It's a stone pebble beach. Like It's pe- a fantastic hiking spot. It's awesome. It's actually it one of my favorite beaches spot. now. But initially, I did not know what I was getting into. Um, but I understand now why all the Bakersfieldians um, go to cold beaches during the summer. Because it's so dang hot in Bakersfield. So being cold and miserable while you like walk around town in a sweatshirt is amazing because um, it's not 120 degrees outside. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the reason why Californians go to the beach is because it's so miserably hot anywhere else (laughs) that if you're going to suffer, you might as well be on a beach to do it. Exactly. I will say, though, beaches uh, south of the Sierra Nevada are way better. Like, I would go to Santa Monica. I love Long Beach, even is fine. I love Laguna on the weekdays. Laguna. Yeah. Yeah, Laguna. I mean, it gets super busy. You're right. On the weekends. But weekdays are pretty, pretty great. Heck, I'd even go to Venice Beach, and it's like the worst of those beaches, but yeah. I would go to that over almost any other beach <laughs> that's not You'll in have area. interesting stories coming back from Venice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, stories. it's all legal now. Whatever. <laughs> you know? You don't have to go there with... You don't have to be like, hey, I'm going to Venice Beach. <laughs> wink, wink. Shove, shove. It's just like, yeah, no, I'm going to Venice Beach. Do you want any? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what it was before, to be fair. It's just now it feels less. You know, it's just whatever. Yeah. I You're mean, going to a store instead of just the dude on the, the street. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, also Irvine. Irvine has some really big, beautiful beaches. I mean, San Diego. Silver Strand? Yeah. I mean, that's further down, but yeah. Yeah. Great beaches. And that's when, like, the water actually gets really nice. I feel like the closest thing to, like, a nice Florida beach uh, was San Diego. That I found in California was San Diego. Um, Because I grew up I'm insulted that you would frame that in such a way that it seems like Florida has the better beach. They kind of do. Oh, no. You're out. Mm -mm. You're out. You're exiled from the podcast. Okay. Have you been to like the Gulf side beach in Florida in the spring? In the spring. Before it gets miserable. You got to put all these qualifiers on it. You know what I've been? I've been to Hawaii. Hawaii has some good beaches. We used to go to Fort Myers Beach in like April every year when I lived in Michigan. And that was always a great time uh, because it was like 80s. We just left the snow of Michigan. White super soft sand beaches like no crazy waves we stayed at a, a beach house the whole week i feel like crazy waves is half the reason i go to the beach i, I do enjoy it more now <laughs> <laughs> um but I yeah like, i think you just kind of counted but one the of water my is actually warm negative. on that side that's the i thing. don't i don't want warm water it's it gets it, like, freezing, man. Even Santa Monica is cold. I like don't the trust water warm water. Cold. Warm water is untrustworthy, oh, Greg. Untrustworthy? Untrustworthy. Hawaii water is warm. Mm, it's, it's warmer true. than like California but water. You can but see it's still it's not warmer than like warmer East Coast. Than you can water. see through Hawaii water. Yeah, it's still not as warm as Atlantic water, though. Yeah. I think Hawaii in general is just warmer. We, yeah. Also, the beaches are shallower, which yeah. is part of the reason why it's warmer. Yeah. So you can see the shark coming after you. That's worth how many of them. I know. I'm joking. I, I have a <laughs> in San Diego. Last time I was there, we were uh, kayaking over sharks. They're like the little like sand sharks. Little sand sharks. And yeah. that's when you tip someone, right? <laughs> no, they, and it's like you can San Diego. The beaches are really beautiful. You could see pretty deep. Like we were looking down like eight, ten feet, and they were on the bottom. I will say San Diego has some awful riptides. 
some really, really rough rip tides. I've been there a few times, and every time I'm there, there's always like a couple places where people have put signs down or like the oh, lifeguards really? put out their little signs for rip tides. Oh, dang. Uh, I went with my church group in like seventh or eighth grade, and we got maybe 100 yards out from shore before we realized that we couldn't swim back. Like uh, we'd been swimming back for a while and uh, nothing was happening. Oh, uh, that's terrifying. Uh, yeah, it was terrifying. Um, and we didn't know what to do. Like we froze up 12, 13 year old kids. Like we yeah. didn't know what to do. Um, and basically just kind of treaded water for a while, flailing our hands until a lifeguard noticed like, hey, those kids don't look like they're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah, surprised they, swam they out let there you guys with go a, out that far. I mean, it wasn't intentional. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, but usually if the riptide is kind of high, they kind of make sure no one goes out far or no one's deep. Yeah. So this one like formed while we were out there. Oh, got you. This was like, a, I, I mean, yeah. it was a lot of years ago. Maybe we wandered into it and were blind and dumb. Yeah. Completely fair. But it felt like at the time there were signs for riptides and there wasn't one where we were. And then we got caught up in one. The first but, time I felt a riptide was in uh, Lake Michigan, actually. Hmm. Um, yeah. They. Uh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, like they don't have like the moon pulling the waves, but uh, it can get real windy, uh, and also all the barges and stuff. So one time out there, yeah, they started kicking us out because the waves are so big. And those are the biggest waves I had seen because we'd always been on the Gulf side of Florida when we went down there until we came out to California. Yeah, I uh, so, so I've I've never been on like Lake Michigan or any of the Great Lakes that are huge. But anytime I go on a lake and it's just huge, like monster white caps, to me, it's almost more terrifying than the ocean. Because at least like ocean waves, when it gets really bad, they're consistent. They're all going the same direction. You know, they're like these these big waves. But on a lake, it's like somebody's just violently shaking a bucket <laughs> and you're in the middle of it. <laughs> Especially because we used to go jet skiing oh, and, yeah. um, you know riding way runners and stuff and so you're just out there on this little thing and you're riding and suddenly you're vertical every other wave that you run into <laughs> going dolphining map. off the top oh of the gosh. yeah it's is it's that rough. tahoe uh tahoe doesn't usually get that bad because it ends up having a lot of open sky over it but lake lopez which is over the other direction towards uh pismo near royal grande mm -hmm. that one can get bad um, and it's because it's a lot of long, it's mostly like several riv big rivers uh, just combined. And so it's very long and has a lot of different channels and makes it super choppy so that it doesn't really have anywhere to swirl or, or lay out flat. Yeah. So anyway, that was a tangent. <sighs> so uh, I'm going to just hit these things that we listed has to be on the theme. It's music uh, that's good with the windows down. You know, it's got to yeah. be music that sounds good with the windows rolled down. Usually means that you, A, don't really care about it being super great, clean production. You don't need everything to be clear because you're going to listen to it with the window rolled down. Um, but it also means that it has to be fun and just enough of a loud driving beat that you can you can still hear it and enjoy it, despite all the noise coming in from the car. You got to feel confident blasting it so everyone on the road can hear it. Yeah. 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 And without, see, like in me, in my mind, I'm like, it also needs to be like polite. It's good, but it's not just like ruining everybody's. You don't windows. want to be like something yeah. real raunchy out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. Uh, yeah, and then also, Sean, you you have an opinion about reverb in oh, deep yeah, songs. It's got to be like drenched in reverb because that's like the surf rock thing. Yeah, that's fair. Well, our album is a uh, hot fuss by the Killers. Woo! Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is uh, an album that I came to super late. I mean, like 2011, 2012. Um, 
So. Same, like today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this what, week. Greg and I were well, like, hey, we really like The Killers, and Sean was like, I've listened to it one time? <laughs> well, so. see, I knew all the singles on this album, which is half the album, but I actually really haven't listened to the album straight through, I realized today. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of singles, oh, go ahead. You have something you want to talk about? I was going to say, listen? I came to it pretty late, too. Like, it was after high school. I came to most music pretty late, uh, but that's a different <laughs> story for a different day. Um, but yeah, I got into this one a few years ago, um, mostly after I got the CD at a record store for like real cheap. Um, it was like in like a $2 bin or something. Uh, not to be said anything about the album, but they sold so many copies and I think it was a used copy. Um, yeah. So. You can get a lot of music for like $2. McKay's around here is a really good place to find some good music. Oh yeah. And for super cheap. But yeah, let's uh, give the first one we have on the list here a listen. It's Somebody Told Me. You know, it's really a miracle that I just realized I've made it the entire day without a single drip of coffee. Wow. I commented on this earlier, but I, I was convinced. Thank you. Thank you. This is a momentous <laughs> occasion for me. I was convinced that I wouldn't make it the rest of the night. This was like at noon or, or one in the afternoon. I was like, man, I really haven't had any coffee today. And normally that's immediately followed up by me just getting the biggest jug of coffee I could find <laughs> and drowning its contents. The, the like the proper word for it it's an actual <laughs> jug of coffee yes an yes. actual jug if yes. it's like less than 30 ounces it's not good enough no. right so uh thank you i appreciate this momentous occasion um it has been the worst decision of my life <laughs> <laughs> i uh i did that yesterday um oh, until so. the or yeah thursday until the moment i got off work and i was like i'm so tired i need coffee got a coffee <laughs> Few hours and then we later, got a coffee. <laughs> we got another coffee, and I had a lot of coffee uh, yesterday. By the end of the day, <laughs> uh, sh- I was thinking about long. getting one on the way here, but it, we were already running so late. I was like, oh, I don't want to do. It. I just go, and then totally forgot. Well, so I mean, I made it. Coffee pots still works. Yeah, you're right. That was uh, somebody told me by the Killers. It's a great song. Ayo. Awesome song. It's, um. <laughs> it, it has a very interesting chorus. Um, but one that it's suggestive in a really weird way of saying like, Hey, you and I seem to be attracted to some of the same things. Maybe we'd be good together. Forget your boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That, that makes more sense. I honestly never was totally sure what the chorus meant besides that. It was super catchy. Yeah. So 
I mean, like out of context, it can be taken a couple of ways, not all of which are polite, but within context, it's probably like none of which are polite. Yeah. In context, though, he's saying like, ready, let's roll on to something new, taking its toll and then I'm leaving without you of like, hey, let's take advantage of this opportunity. We're here. I think it's going to work. Let's do something. If not, I'm just going to move on. Right. Which, I mean, is not necessarily the best message to send, but at least it's better than the implication of the course completely out of context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes more sense. Um, um, yeah. And it's fun. It rolls. It, it's uh, it's one of the, the songs that doesn't try to hide what it's about. Once you're actually reading the lyrics, it's like, oh, OK. Yeah. That is very clearly about, hey, you know what? You and me, let's do it. I heard that we could be a good couple and I think so. Let's go for it. Yeah. Is that your leading line? Coming up to somebody and just like, hey, girl, I heard you might be into me, and I heard that I might be into you. Maybe we should give it a try. I think it only works if you're brain. I, I, never I also want to point out to everyone who is listening and not watching, he started that with what looked like a hair flip motion. <laughs> it's it's the, the hair flip is important. It shows that you care about your personal hygiene. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very much. If you don't care about your personal hygiene, nothing will ever be successful for you in life, Sean. Okay, that's why your haircut looks so good. Yeah, no, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks, I need man. to get a haircut too. But but Multiple you can hairs. hair flip with that right now. Hey, I'm, the length is going to be pretty much the same. It's gonna yeah, just clean it up be... so you can run your fingers through your hair. Yeah, exactly. Creating desire. Exactly. Just <laughs> so like back that. to the song. Um, <laughs> that I, was about the song. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, hey, look, I never thought I'd let a ruin, rumor ruin my moonlight. <laughs> Just grabbed a random lyric to try to make it work, <laughs> and it didn't work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy a lot of the production on this album. Um, just because uh, it has a very kind of um, garage rock, new wave influences. Uh, but it does some like fun things that you don't always realize the first pass through. Um, but like with some of the, the guitar rolls, some of the... Adding in the synths, um, I think, is something that the Killers did that a lot of the bands that were in the same genre at the time before them uh, didn't do as much. Uh, I was reading some interviews and articles that they were very influenced by uh, The Strokes in their first album. And uh, they even had a bunch of songs and trashed them all after they heard that album uh, before they even recorded or had gotten signed or anything. Uh so they they were very much influenced by a lot of that. Um, I also love this song because it's the uh, quintessential dance drum beat. Um, that's like the yeah. You think it's like real like generic in house, but then you play it as a drummer. And it's like one of the most fun things to play because you're kind of wailing everything at different times, but all at the same time. You just hit everything. Yeah, yeah. You're just kind of <laughs> swinging at everything, and you can. It's like. Originally, it was a dance beat because like, it was for dance, but I feel like as a drummer, you just dance while you're playing that beat. Yeah, and it's uh, it's important to point out, and I think Sean would agree with me here, that pretty much all of the production on this is intentionally muddy. It's it's garage rocky. It's like, yeah. it, it, it was a choice that was made to make everything garage rocky, even though it is a dance tune. Like, in this one, um, they have that synth going through it, like that saute, like buzzy synth thing, and it's kind of doing like the disco bass line, the ding, 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 like that kind of thing. But like the rest of the guitars fill in that high end and the high mids where normally like they scoop that out so that you have like room for the vocals. So the vocals actually like relatively buried because again, they're going for the garage rocky tone, uh, 
garage rocky sound. And I actually, I, I wish I could hear his vocal a little more because he has an interesting voice, and there's like a lot of high end character that's missing in there. But um, again, yeah, it's it's the sound. And I think they intentionally block him like mid range for yeah. his vocals. Oh yeah, all the guitars were like taking all that room. Yeah, and it's interesting too for a rock band. Uh, a lot of times, why uh, I feel like rock singers have such a high voice is because they have to get over the guitars. And he's like a crooner voice. He has, has that lower baritone. So that that's a, a different struggle. Um, crooner is a through. great word mm. that I'm going to use in the future. I definitely pulled that off of uh, a review that I read. So <laughs> <laughs> Slash High my brother's quality. a big fan of crooner jazz singers. So I kind of have heard that a few times. We openly plagiarize on this podcast. Yeah, you know what? I would I would admit to plagiarizing, but these genius annotations are something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's it's interesting because they would be put more into the, like the normal punk pop uh box if his voice was a little more whiny, a little more high because that's like he doesn't have like the the quintessential blink 182 thing getting this more like Smith's yes, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, it's low, it, it, it's low, and he like still sings with like a bunch of chomping on the words and enunciation. But because it's low and not as like yelly, it, it doesn't come off as like, oh, here we go, we're gonna turn it up to 11. His voice is actually like the chillest thing in the mix, yeah. Uh, I also think that he tends to write very pop lyrics. It's not like you, you made the emo punk, emo punk reference. And I think that that's while it's super apt for the style, like it, you could could have produced this band differently and easily have made that assumption. Lyrically speaking, all of his lyrics could just as easily be a pop song. Like if you just read them and you try to think of the song that would go behind it, it's not hard to imagine that it would be something more out of 2004, like pop, right? Black Eyed Peas. Gotta or, get that. <laughs> i'm glad we thought about the exact same thing at the same time that that Creepy. was more like 2009 but that's fair they did have lots of other singles in 2004 yeah well and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just saying that like at the time pop was a whole lot about everything that he's writing and also being straightforward and emo punk at the time was about being extremely poetic while saying nothing and also being super edgy about it right like 2004 is right at the end of uh blink 182 right like right before they dropped completely off the map what are you talking about they just dropped a record and it was fire right before <laughs> they dropped completely off the map and they were going for that like really hard hitting, edgy, everything sucks, everything, uh, my whole life is all just this raging party and I'm driven by my impulses and stuff where this is much more lightly suggestive, like a lot of pop at the time was. And and I, I enjoy it and I think it's a, it's a good contrast to everything else at the time and it's part of the reason why they've had such lasting power. You know, like dumb memes about Mr. Brightside aside, they... Um, they have had really good lasting power in uh, culture just because their style was both unique and the way that they wrote is easily approachable no matter what the current trend is, right? Like if I play Blink-182 for, you know, like my son in a couple, a couple, dear Lord, hopefully not, in a few, <laughs> uh, in a long time, uh, he probably wouldn't enjoy it in the same way because the production value and Lyrically speaking, they make so many references to the point in time that it was written that it's not quite as easy to apply to your life. Whereas like this one is so generically written. That uh, sounds like a bad thing, but generally appealing, I guess, is a better word that 
you can relate to it no matter where you are in life. And it, and it helps make that those lyrics kind of stand out for you really well. Makes it more timeless for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's writing the verses with enough um, personal to uh, draw people in, but then uh, writing the courses with enough genericness and broadness to be able to relate to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, what great pop songs do all the time. Yeah. I was going to wait until we talk about like runner ups for this, but this one reminds me, the killers reminded me a lot of why I like the cab, but for somewhat like isolated reasons. Uh, the first song or the first album released by the cab was super dance rock, just incredible dance rock, but they positioned their vocals in a very different place, like really, really high. And they relied heavily on like dance rock piano along with guitar and everything else like that. That was a, that was a, a thing. little bit of like shredding metal guitar. Just a, li- just a little a bit. Just like, like just a, 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 yeah, it's like professor creating Didn't powder puff like girls, right? Violins um, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had electric violin. They, they had some real weird a stuff, little, but little metal. It's that same kind of uh, wall of, of rock noise that, that moves and grooves in a, in a, in a dance rock way. So, um, I, I find them related to each other a lot. I guess I'm going to have to pick a different different album for my runner-up because I already mentioned it. It's okay. We've mentioned like five Beach Records before we even <laughs> mentioned this one. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, we got anything else about Somebody Told Me? Let's hear the next one. Okay. Uh, that's All These Things I've Done. This is a great song. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I really enjoy the song. Um, I think it's... It's because I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. It's my favorite part. That's like an amazing line. Yeah, I mean, like, help me out, man. Okay, Sean, stop just quoting the song. I'm I'm going to try to do this for the rest of the podcast. Okay, he's just going to be genius over here. The first time I heard part of this song live was just using this chorus just using this bridge as a tag on and now since i've heard that i've heard it like three or four times live where they tag it into original or they tag it into someone's doing a bob dylan song and then put this as the um the uh the bridge uh so i just love the bridge i think it's like super great play on words on words um but uh it, it just means a lot also, the uh, high uh, harmony background vocals are amazing, and they are actually sung by this group called the Sweet Inspirations, who started in like the fifties and have changed up members here and there, uh, but have recorded on everyone from Jimi Hendrix 
who uh, toured with Elvis for several years. Um, Aretha Franklin. Um, lots of really cool people. So I think it's kind of funny and pretty cool that they were on this record. Uh, I think it's it's fascinating that he, they can go from this like really slightly suggestive right somebody told me and i i know that's not the order of them on, on the tr- on the tracks but i i really appreciate it when a band can say something say nothing and have fun on one song and then say something like really deep on the other we we hit this when we were talking about uh uh wow i just blanked God, it was the one in the cabin um SZA. SZA, yes. I was like, S something. Oh, when we're talking <laughs> about SZA, that she has she has just like four fun songs that are clearly just there for her to have good time and and really just enjoy making music. And then some like Pretty Little Bird and other ones that are really asking serious questions, right? Like Nice Girl and stuff. They're asking really serious questions that don't have easy answers. This one isn't quite as introspective, but it is um, pushing to say like, hey, I really want to do something with my music i don't want my music to just be out there hanging out i want to make an impact on people's lives i want to last a while and it's really a plea with life in general like is there room for another son which is sounds like a loose allegory to like judeo-christian son of god like is there room for there to be another savior is there room for there to be more more than that um do i think that's what he meant no but it feels like he's calling out like hey i want to be so much more i want to be larger than life i want to be something else and it's fascinating um even when he admits to like hey my i'm getting too old i'm running out of time like it's not easy to to keep doing this forever every time my back hurts a little bit more my heart hurts a little bit worse my affection's gonna come and go. I'm not gonna believe in and love the same things that I loved before. But as long as I'm making an impact on people, that means that my influence is gonna live on. Yeah, yeah, and he's and he's coming in that realization and being able to like ask for help in that because he it, that's like bringing everyone together and singing that chorus or that bridge. Um, is like I got soul. I'm not a soldier. You got to help me out. And like he's trying to bring everyone together and in that emotion. Whereas we're not going to make it on our own. We need to help each other out, type thing. So that was that's a cool little musical nod to what they were trying to say. Yeah, and in, in addition to the just arrangement being super good, like you said, the the musical arrangement. Yeah maybe they did just throw a bunch of people in a room and have them all shout the same songs, but it's still are the same lyrics, but it's still really well done because in the midst of that, they have three or four very clear harmonies, right? And those play together super, super well over everything else. Um, and it's still impressive when you can work in a transition like they have in the middle of the song and then transition cleanly out of it and not have it feel really cheesy and forced because that's, it's not an easy thing to do, um, and and it goes off without a hitch in the song. Yeah, that's super true. And uh, as you're talking about too, um, you know, uh, getting older, looking for help. It, it's interesting because this band. A lot of times you hear a band starting off real young, all meeting in high school. Uh, these guys met when they were like older in Vegas. Uh, I think Brandon Flowers met uh, one of the other original member when he was like 25. Um, after being kicked out of his like synth pop band that he was in that explains a lot um yeah it, yeah <laughs> uh, and and then it took him another uh three four years until they um released this album so um 
from an artist and musician stage, like that's a long time without uh, making it yet. And that's always like the goal as um, being an artist and musician. That's like some of the hardest times is trying to figure out, can I still do this? Can I keep going? Can I work these hard, meaningless jobs to pursue this career on the side um, that I will want to make the forefront? So, do, do you ever think that people like him get super pissed when they hear about like how bands like Kings Leon got popular? You think he just like wakes up in the morning just angry? He's just furious. He watched that documentary and now he's just like, oh, I just, those guys are just, mm, it took me so long. <laughs> I would be, I'd be pissed. <laughs> he didn't even know how to play an instrument. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. every band has their own story. It's every an, band has it, to have their own path. It yeah. had to happen to somebody, right? It's, it's the nature of the beast. Like, yeah. you can't get upset over that or else there's way too many of those stories for you to be upset over and it's just going to be depressing. Like, good for them. They they also capitalized on that and learned how to play instruments and now, like, are are doing very well for themselves both musically and financially as a band, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure he's not that actually that upset about it. I just wonder sometimes if... If there is that kind of elitism snob in, yeah, in the I, I like to look at the stories that of the guys that really did have to struggle, like um, the uh, Fitz and the Tantrums dude. Uh, he wrote a lot of good stuff, but he'd been in multiple bands, and Fitz and the Tantrum, Tantrums never didn't start seeing success till he was in his thirties or forties, and oh. that was like his third or fourth band he had started while being in L.A. Um, and being in LA or in Vegas out in the West, I feel like is is tougher because everyone goes out there and everyone's trying to make it um, in several different things. Uh, so I think that there's like extra pressure with that. In your hometown, you can kind of be the hometown here for a while, you know, and be on top of the world. But then once you get out um, to these bigger cities, um, you're now in an ocean surrounded by whales and sharks and you were just a large pond fish originally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I felt that that weight coming out here from Bakersfield, California. It was like, yeah, you, like you do decent for yourself in your hometown, but coming to a place that's so saturated, you have to be very comfortable and confident in your niche and what you can do because there's always going to be someone better than you. Yes, and and like. It's, it just might not be your thing to be technically in this area. But, like, if you own your art, it's art. It's not a, a report card that you're all trying to get a, an A-plus on. Like, There's no score at the end. Right, because it's all what, what, what it makes you feel. It's all very... Uh, it, it's all emotions-based, you know? So if you're making art that, that creates a purpose and it creates an emotion then that's what you need to do. And you can be confident in finding your niche in that. And you don't have to compare yourself to everyone else. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, that's the hard thing to come to grips with going from small town to big town. Yeah. And I mean, like you can hear a lot of that in the song that he's clearly, this is wearing on him. Yeah. And it's not like the easiest thing that he's ever done. Uh, but despite all of that, there's a really joyful upturn, right? Like the, I, I've got soul and not a soldier, that whole section builds and builds like drops the energy and then builds it up to way higher than it was before in a way that feels uh like they're rejoicing like he's really embracing it and saying like but this is my life i wouldn't do anything else and that's complete interpretation 
Okay, and it's 100% <laughs> me uh, editorializing the song. But it feels like a very strong embrace. Like, I wouldn't have my life any other way. Because you wouldn't write a song like this and bring so much energy and so much excitement to the forefront if you really were just bemoaning the existence and what you've done so far and worrying about your impact. Um, so I, I find it really strangely inspiring. I think you're true. Like that's pretty on too. Cause the whole, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. That's the, I'm pressing on like a soldier, but I still got soul. I still got feeling. I still want to do this. You know, I'm yep. not monotically just pressing on and we're in this together. I love that. Um, and especially listen to this again, I'm realizing that the, the, the giant choir that he sings with sings out the last of the song with them clapping, celebrating. There's background noise, big gospel um, choirs. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so much. It, he turns into a party, uh, which is super cool. Well, and I mean, like we we're saying, there's a ton of irony in the song or yeah, because he says I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier instantly turns into a soul song, super soul influencing. And then rides it out for the rest of the song, <laughs> brings that like soul groove into it. So very, very on the nose, but yeah, I can still appreciate it. Um, slightly unrelated because you're talking about how it takes a while sometimes for artists to be known. Do you ever think that we will have another like Van Gogh, but for music? Like, I don't know if we appreciate music for a long enough period of time. Like, there's just so much out there that even if there was somebody who was that good, I wonder if it just gets lost in the flow. It just never be discovered. I think it's different. I like, uh, who was it? I don't quote me on it, but I believe it was like Mozart um, was known during his time, but wasn't as well known. Yeah, I, I think I, there'll I mean, be people that like he was like a local hero, but he wasn't he wasn't international how he is now. Um, but do you, do you think that we could do that with today's tech and the way that we share music and, and stuff like at the we move through music so fast? Do you, you think that it would be possible to do that again? Or do you think that the equivalent is now like you just discover it three years later instead of 30 or 50? Honestly, I think you have to be actively promoting something in order to get it recognized in the music world nowadays because i mean like the like van gogh painting world is a physical medium music is no longer a physical medium you know um and like i think in order to get people to look at stuff there's there's not really a solid way of exposure that doesn't require at least some investment financial investment into it so someone has to be behind it yeah and you can have like legacy career stuff where someone else is pushing that and that can be a thing, but that's usually because they already had a career. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. I, I think I, I tend to, I think that makes the most sense to me that you're never going to have somebody like Van Gogh who just was completely unknown, made no money, horribly unpopular. In fact, mostly hated by <laughs> other artists at the time and degraded that becomes just wildly popular way after their death. Um, there was a, uh... We have had artists, um, there was a famous piano player in like their 1920s or beforehand. Yeah. What's his name? I, I mean, I don't uh, know. I don't know who this is, but, but I that think was that's a, like what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that was a different earliest. story in where his music was sold without him knowing. Talk about Count Basie? No. Okay. He might be too, but there's a lot of, there was several artists, um, while this was before recorded music, his, uh, um, written out music was sold across uh the world for um 
real cheap. And he was making like cents on it to where like he died a poor man and didn't even know. He may even know a little bit of how far his music's reached, but not as far. I don't think we'll have that. But I I think there could be um, music that is played, is promoted, and doesn't gain popularity till years and years later. And that will mostly only be from diehard fans that uh, are then popular artists. Yeah, I mean, I think the only one I can think of most recently is like dubstep. Dubstep was around for 20 to 30 years before we had this wild fad obsession with it for, you know, three or four. It's going to be under, yeah, like it's underground 2010s. type music. Right, but that was that was more like a genre yeah, rather than so a specific like the closest person. we could get to it was like a genre. Yeah. Because, yeah, genres have to rise and fall and like come up through the ranks in order to hit the mainstream, I feel like, but... There's yeah. a pun here that I'm not going to say. Anyway, next oh. song, we should go take a listen to uh, Mr. Brightside. Is it drop? Something to do with... I got to figure this out now. We'll give it a listen. That was uh, Mr. Brightside, my killers. Um, I really like this song because it is a great representation of what it feels like to know that somebody's leaving to cheat on you and then feeling them cheat on you and having to just live with that fact. That's brutal. Um, And the stream of consciousness here is... One that feels like either you've had this happen to you and you recognize it instantly or somebody explained it to you and now it makes way more sense. Um, it's even this is a loose thing. That's why I really this song is the one that really makes me think of um, referential set piecing because like when he says turning saints into the sea. It's clearly he picked saints because he couldn't say holy water to me that reads is like and. I, I kind of get it a little bit. It's like turning holy water into salt water. You just become bitter and useless. Or it could be, say, throwing your your um, your morals and your ambitions into the ocean, like getting rid of them. It has a lot of different implications. But mostly just... I, trying, I, I can see this picture of him trying to write music at home by himself, knowing what she's doing. And then she comes home and tells him where she was, and she he doesn't believe her. Right. It's just. But for him, 
the music is what he has to do. Like that is his life. That's where he's going to go. It's what he's going to do. And this is just one casualty in that. It's. And this one's really touching for me because I'm a very pessimistic person. And so for him to just be like, Hey, you know what? I've just got to focus on the better things that can happen. Despite everything else that sucks is uh, something that resonates with me very, very strongly. Um, And while I've never had anything that's quite as rough as this happened to me, it's easy to relate to. Um, So that's why I kind of petitioned to put this one on here instantly. The moment we talked (laughs) about it, I was like, hey, this is one of my my favorite ones. Despite also, it's just been memed to death. Just like the first couple lines of um, coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. And then somebody gets hit with a baseball bat or something like just real slapstick. Uh, kinetic humor <laughs> coming out of my cage doing just fine and everything's on fire just it's great great stuff on there you, you really want to cheer yourself up there's a ton of great vines or tiktoks <laughs> on this i'm sure <laughs> yeah i like this song a lot it uh I, the storytelling in it uh i feel like relates storytelling such a hard thing to do musically where it's singable catchy and, and doesn't feel um, too personal. Um, but he does it in a way that you can fully watch the story, but then fully be engulfed and understand what's going on. Um, I think this is probably one of the more personal songs on the album because uh, he gets more ambiguous and more anthem um, on other songs. But this song still has an anthem chorus uh, that everyone can sing along to. Um but yeah, because I, I feel like we've all been there before where you just got to keep your head up or trying to be Mr. Brightside as much as you can, even though you're living in a, in a place you don't want to be. Yeah. I also really like that uh, they have a really good way of, despite having very small, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. They don't have many lyrics. They don't have 17 verses. Their verses are of, you know, decent length, but they're not like a thousand um, words down. But even when they repeat verses, like the verse one and verse two here are pretty much, yeah, they're exactly the same. So this might as well just be two sets of choruses. Right? It's an A and B section. Yeah. And, but it still feels like there is a complete story told here. The second verse feels different enough from the first verse that you can feel that rising tension and uh, emotion build up before the final chorus. Um, and it, it makes it hit a little more poignantly than you would imagine, even though he's literally just saying the same words over and over again. And I think they're able to do that, too, uh, with all the verses they pull back. They bring it back to more like bass and drums. Um, they let the choruses kind of shine and fill up with this the big sense the the strumming guitars but everything pulls back and in this one too it's uh it's very um sing little sing-songy but kind of like a sing rappy where uh it's all a lot it's very percussive and it's not a lot of melody um so you can hold on to those words and, and you can go with them yeah and it makes the the hooks hit harder when they hit the chorus and go da, 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 da super like you know it's just out there versus the rest of it just goes by really quick because it's telling the story 
Sorry. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that we mentioned earlier and I think comes through on this is that because they swap the location of the vocals into like that really heavy mid-range and put the guitars up high, it lets the guitars tell a story on top of the story that the mid-range vocals tell, right? Like I, this, well, we, we've said garage rock, we've said muddy a lot, but I think one of the reasons why they would produce it this way comes out super well in this song is that lyrically they've they're not writing anything that's super complicated. They're not writing anything that's really impressive for just being on paper, but combined with the ability to like compose and, and create a completely separate emotional story above the lyrics themselves lends the emotion in the words way more credence, even like minute to minute. And we found that on this, we found that in all the things I've done. We found that in uh, somebody told me, Every time they repeat a chorus, there's something different happening in that high range, even though all of the words are exactly the same. And it's super, super well done. Like that arrangement, that very intentional arrangement is one of the more elegant things I've seen. And like, Greg, I, I know you were talking earlier and it's not the is it these first five? Yeah, the first five songs are all like demo tracks, right? A lot of them. Yeah, um, there are demos. And the reason why they wanted to stick with it because they did full versions uh, but they uh, in, like the little bit of spontaneity and the energy that they had in these. So a lot of the emotions, they felt like they captured more. Yeah. And, and I think that some of what I appreciate about it probably would have been lost with higher production. And while that's kind of like up and down on on mostly in an opinion place, I think that what I like the most about this is that even without if you removed the lyrics, you could get a lot of the same emotions without needing the direct directly being told. And then especially once you've been directly being told, and you know, we've completely lost the thread on the theme, but <laughs> once you've been told we're one of the things we talked about was like with the windows rolled down because you can still hear the melody. You can say the words in your head and you know exactly what you're feeling because all of that stuff that cuts through the noise of the wind blowing into the car is all of the important like emotional parts that, that resonate and ring out. Right. So, yeah, I, I really, really like the song. It's one of my favorite songs probably ever. I think part of the reason why this works well with Going to the Beach is that you can almost hear the wind in the track sometimes <laughs> <laughs> as you're uh, driving your car with the window yeah. down, heading to the beach, because uh, it um, just the way it, way it all works together. That's one of the things I like about garage rock and like about beach rock is the jangly guitars. Um that just kind of go in and the amazing thing about this record too is they're able to pull from all these influences and not just write a garage rock album or a uh noise noise rock or, or synth pop they're, they're able to make a pop record in their own style because they're able to pull from every from everyone from the synths to um morrissey uh and um other pop influences and they're, they're able to make it that something that everyone can sing along to, not just someone that's really interested in that one genre. Yeah, especially at a time where we were just barely starting to break out of the very clearly defined genres, right? Like these days, I, I think that the Killers would find a very welcome home in blending a thousand different genres. But in 2004, it was still a period where it's like, here's the punk kids, here's the emo punk kids, there's the metal heads, here's the pop, here's hip hop, here's rap, like very clearly defined walls between what like, you we're going to do some punk. But you know what? We got a bunch of synths for you, too. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, chew on that. That was new. And it was like in a realm of 
kind of like gatekeeping, like, oh, I don't want any of that garbage in my rock. You don't bring your hip hop crap into my rock, right? At the time when Linkin Park was really popular with people because of how edgy and progressive they were with their sound, it it's really interesting to see that this is kind of breaking that ground at a, at a similar moment. Do we have anything else we want to say about uh, Hot Fuss before we move on? I know we're running a little late. Don't you give me that beach face. <sighs> well, you know what? I got my one. That's all that matters. I got my one. <laughs> we're good. Let's do some runner-ups. <laughs> Greg, you got one for us? Um, I got a, I got a twofer. Um, got a twofer. I got a Jack's Mannequin, Everything in Transit. Uh, it's another great beach car California album. Uh Dark Blue is like one of my favorite songs ever. Uh, really great piano rock album. Um, and another one just because like straight beach, but I kind of found a love for this album about like two years ago. Uh, Pet Sounds by Beach Boys. It's very iconic, but uh, some of the things they do in it are pretty amazing in the tonal and melodic things they do. That's something that I hadn't really caught on to before. I just known about it, but I hadn't really listened. So that's one of those like a... If you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. Um, if not someday, one day you'll. Uh, it, it took me a while. It was a slow burn for me to get into it. Yep. Sean, you got one or you need some more time, you think? No, I got it. Right. Uh, the Boys Like Girls self-titled. Blasting Great Escape. Windows Down on the way to the beach is great. Mine's a little totally different. Uh, I mentioned The Cab earlier. Uh, oof, I don't remember the name of that album, actually. Um, cause once I mentioned it, I was started trying to think of something else. Uh, but I would say to save rock and roll, my fallout boy, it's a great one. Uh, not quite in the same range of the other two that, we, that you guys mentioned in the one we did today, but in the, like, you can roll the, nothing matters in that song other than his voice just blaring through your speakers. So you can roll down your windows and catch nothing, but his, uh, I know what you do in the dark. It's great. Yeah. Super, super good. And if you listen close enough, you can catch Ralph screaming it too. Yep. Yep. That one's, it's more like if you listen close enough, you might hear Fallout Boy if we're being perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, all right. So this has been a double header. Hopefully, we're going to hit another one next week and then that'll get us caught up. We can take off of our uh, our brutal <laughs> track of like, hey, guys, let's not take a whole month off from recording a podcast. Um, we'll see though, you know, like I said, we're, we're doing this cause we want to, and we're, we're enjoying it. So we, we picked a couple of albums this week we could have fun with, and we wanted to take a break and just record. So we'll see if, uh, anyone has new ideas for, um, the best, uh, or finding an album, finding or, a category, a category for when, uh, for us to pick the best album for we more specifically, that was the hardest thing we to say We definitely choose the category before we choose the album guys. We have gotten way better about that. We have. we have, yeah. We've found out that if we try to choose the album to fit a category and then fit a category around it, is impossible. Way harder. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm Ralph. You can find me on Twitter at at the ninth Ralph. Greg. I'm Greg Bruick. Uh, you can find me mostly at uh, Coffee Shop on Instagram. Uh, just dropped a new EP. It is fire, people. It's I was called... on repeat today. Thanks, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Wait, is this the one that you've been trying to get out for a while? Yeah, it's it finally, finally officially released. out on okay. Spotify. It is good. It is very good. But I was excited for like new music and then realized, like, oh, okay, I've listened to this But you see, already. SoundCloud is harder to make it repeat. 
That's true. Apple Music can just loop it all day long. Yeah, but SoundCloud's it's okay. We like SoundCloud, though. too. We love SoundCloud. SoundCloud is vibing. great. Gets us. Ayo. SoundCloud puts us on everything. So. Yep. Also, I cut you off. Hold Fast is the name of your EP. Oh, yeah. Hold Fast. You spell coffee shop like. C-V-F-F-E-E-S-H-X-P. I really hate that. I, the goal with coffee shop was coffee not to actually shop. talk about it. So that's why I spelled it weird. <laughs> I got you. And uh, what about and you? And I am, you can find me at SHWN Music. And uh, we releasing this next Friday? Yeah. Dope. I will have dropped a new track by then. I, uh, I did a collaboration with A Rose, Mandy Cop, fantastic writer and co producer on it, and it's called Drive. Check it out. It's really good. I like it. I listened to it again on repeat for a while. Partially because I have the like secret access to it, so I couldn't put it on other playlists, but that did mean that I was just going to listen to it over and over and over again instead. How did you get access to it? I think you texted it to me. You us, gave yeah. it to me. Yeah. Drive? I don't want to say... I'm not saying it on the podcast. I'll tell you afterwards. Anyway. No, you he just, it's released. Drive's released now. No, it's not. Next Friday. It's... When this podcast comes out. It's released on Monday. It's coming out Monday, but that's next monday and this podcast comes out next friday you confused me whatever we're signing off thanks for listening (laughs) to just vibing it's been great guys we'll see you next time